all right welcome back guys for the second episode of the missing piece today we are going to be talking about the diet debate so we're going to look at three different ways of eating not necessarily diets but different ways to structure your eating and make sure you're eating for your specific goals so throughout this podcast i just want to point out that when i say diet I mean, anything you put in your mouth, anything you consume. So not diet in the sense of thinking about cutting calories or anything like that. We'll talk about caloric deficits. But when I use the word diet, I'm referring to anything that you eat, anything that you drink, anything that you consume on a daily basis. Many people eat for health or performance. Perhaps someone's eating for aesthetics. And each of these look a little bit different. So The person that eats for health may focus on very non-processed, natural ingredients, focusing on whole foods, looking at eating the whole egg versus just an egg white is just an example of that. Then we have the people that eat for performance, and those people might eat a little bit differently. So instead of focusing on those whole foods, they might be looking to add in calories during a bulking season in which they're looking to add more muscle mass. An athlete for a sport, for example, might have to structure their carbohydrate intake to better perform during their competition. And then we have eating for aesthetics. So a bodybuilder, for example, who steps on stage at the time they step on stage aren't necessarily the healthiest metabolically that they can be. Many of their hormones are downregulated. Many of the metabolic processes in the body are downregulated. They're at such low levels of body fat percentage that even though they look stage lean, that leanness isn't able to be maintained following show and shouldn't be maintained after the show in order to get back to those healthy levels of body fat and healthy metabolic functions. So Throughout those three different varieties of diets, each of those can be woven into the three strategies that we'll talk about today, which are going to be meal plans, flexible dieting, or if it fits your macros, and then intuitive eating. Throughout those three, there's going to be one common thread, and that is going to be macronutrients. All of these diets and any diet is macronutrient focused, so our macronutrients are anything that gives a significant portion of calories to your body. So macronutrients provide calories, calories provide energy within the body. The three specific macronutrients are going to be proteins, carbs, and fats. And each of those have different roles within the body. So most often protein we want to preserve and use for the sake of maintaining or building our muscle mass. Our carbohydrates are going to be our primary source of fuel within the body, especially during those shorter workouts. And then our fats are going to be stored energy. So during those longer 60 plus minutes in duration workouts, that's where our fats can come into play. Again, there's a lot more that goes into that. That's not a fast, hard science. Perhaps in the future, you may see a podcast on the macronutrients. Uh, If you're interested in that, shoot me an email, check me out on Twitter, tweet me that you're interested in seeing a macronutrients-based podcast. But for today, we're going to just focus on macronutrients as a whole within the context of, like I mentioned, meal plans, flexible dieting, or if it fits your macros, and then intuitive eating as well. All right, so let's start with meal plans. So when the first 
fitness craze kind of happened. It was thought that meal plans were the way to make progress in the gym. You ate a set number of foods, a set number of meals per day, followed those foods, those meals throughout the course of months or weeks, and you eventually saw progress in the gym. That progress is obviously slower in the gym regardless of what you're eating, Uh, but it was known that if you followed a set number of meals, a meal plan given to you often by a coach, that you would make progress towards your goals provided that you were following a meal plan in coordination with your goals. So if you're looking to lose body fat, eating in a caloric deficit, if you're looking to add muscle mass, eating a caloric surplus, so more calories than you're burning. So these meal plans often lacked variety. Uh, It was very limited. It was very strict. Uh, You had to stick to these meal plans, eating the foods that were listed for you in the portions that were listed for you, often even at times of day that were listed for you. So it was a very limited of foods. It was very, very strict, very little variety. As a result, this type of eating may cause disordered eating. Again, not an eating disorder per se. Focusing on the foods so much in such a strict way and labeling foods as quote-unquote good foods or quote-unquote bad foods can then have a lasting impact once you want to transition off of that meal plan into more of an intuitive eating type of setting, which we'll get into later. So this doesn't happen for everyone, but it is a possible con of this type of diet. That being said, there are some pros and some people that this diet may work well for. If you're someone who's super busy or doesn't mind the structure, having those meals pre-planned, pre-packaged ahead of time may be an asset for you. That might be super easy to stay consistent with your diet, to be able to come home from work and just grab a meal. In addition, people who compete at high levels, such as the bodybuilder competitors, uh, they might need to follow some sort of meal plan, especially as they get closer to their show day. A lot of competitors have now transitioned into kind of a macronutrient, flexible dieting-based approach uh, that's becoming more popular, but again, it might be something that's just easier for you to have that meal plan laid out. You know what you're eating for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner, your snacks, everything throughout the day. All of those meals are pre-weighed, pre-made ahead of time, and they are sitting in the fridge ready for you to grab. So one big negative of a meal plan diet is it often lacks education. So those foods are listed out, they're weighed, but no macronutrients are listed. So you might not know without looking it up yourself what amount of protein, carbs, fats that you're taking in throughout the day. So that's kind of where we transition into more of a macronutrient-based approach. For the sake of this podcast, I'll refer to it as flexible dieting. But it can also be known as just a macros-based approach or an if-it-fits-your-macros. But for the sake of this podcast, we'll refer to it as flexible dieting. For a flexible dieting eating approach, you're given a set number of macronutrients, so our protein, carbs, and fats, as well as a calorie goal, based on your age, weight, activity level, body fat percentage, goals, etc., And then your goal for this diet is to be able to hit your numbers. For example, you might be eating 165 grams of carbs, 132 grams of protein, 
51 grams of fat, and that's going to come out to roughly 1,647 calories. So again, that's just an example that someone who's fairly small in stature, perhaps works out uh, for three to four times per week. I wouldn't recommend taking those numbers and utilizing them for yourself. Definitely shoot me an email if you'd like your calorie numbers calculated for you. There's also a variety of online resources. Just be wary of those that take into account exercise. Oftentimes, they'll undershoot the number of calories, and then you'll be eating too little calories or too little macronutrients as well. So macronutrients are given in grams. To find the grams in a set food, that's where reading the nutrition label is going to come into play. So checking out those nutrition labels, it'll always list the calories for each food and then the grams of fat, carbs, and protein in each serving. So again, it's going to be quite a learning curve with our flexible dieting approach. So if you're not familiar with how to read nutrition labels, if you're not familiar with serving sizes, what serving sizes look like, sometimes that can be a bit of a learning curve for you as you're getting into it. But it's definitely a skill that will stay with you. And the more you practice, the easier it becomes as well. If you're curious on how to read a nutrition label, you can check out my blog later this week. I'm going to be posting on that as well. So it'll be a little bit of a cheat sheet guide for you. Anyway, back to our flexible dieting approach. So your goal, once you have your numbers, is to hit within, I would say, 5 to 10 grams of your specific number for each of those. So if you're a little bit under on carbs, a little bit over on protein, each day might not kill you. Again, you're just trying to average out and kind of get the best balance as close to your macronutrient goals as possible. Now, if it fits your macros or flexible dieting has kind of been given a bad rap, uh, if you check out the hashtag IIFYM on Instagram, I'm sure the pictures that will come up include Pop-Tarts and cereal and a lot of different processed foods that people are able to fit in their macronutrients for the day, but may not, like I said, be those foods that are eaten for a health aspect. Many are processed treats. Donuts are a big one. Pop-Tarts are a big one that you might see. So very low nutrient density in many of the foods. However, my recommendation if you're looking to follow a flexible dieting approach is to add those nutrient-dense foods into your diet first. So fill your diet, fill your day of macronutrients with your veggies, your complex carbohydrates, your sources of protein from either meats or egg whites or maybe a protein shake. But looking for those more nutrient-dense foods first, and then if you have macronutrients left over, adding in the Pop-Tart or the cookie or the dessert at the end of the day. The other tip I would caution with an if-it-fits-your-macros or flexible dieting-based approach is just the ability to add in a great variety of foods. Oftentimes with a variety of foods, there's a greater risk of error in measuring portion sizes or measuring macronutrient content of each of the foods as well. So again, with that greater variety, there comes a little bit greater risk of error. Making sure you do have a little bit of forethought in planning out your meals for the day. It doesn't have to be 
as strict as the meal plan where you eat the same thing every single day. But if you have a little bit of time at the end of your day on Monday, perhaps taking a second, planning your meals for Tuesday so that you kind of know what you're going to eat. But if a surprise lunch with a coworker or something like that happens, you can flexible diet and be able to fit that into your day as well. Kind of like our meal plans that have a potential for disordered eating, flexible dieting does a little bit as well. So again, just to reiterate, disordered eating isn't necessarily a diagnosed eating disorder. It just refers to habits in eating patterns that may not be 100% quote-unquote normal eating habits. So if we become so focused on hitting our macronutrient goals for the day that it interferes with our lives, then we might need to take a step back, take a day off of tracking, take two days off of tracking. You're most likely not going to set yourself back extremely far if you take a little bit of time off tracking your macronutrients. It's always good to have those little breaks in your day or little steps back as well. So you've followed your macros for a while, kind of have a sense of what's in each food, kind of what food, how much food you should eat throughout the day. But in my opinion, we all kind of want to get to this point where we eat what we want, we stop when we're full, we just kind of listen to our body and that's kind of what intuitive eating is. So it's listening to your body, eating those foods that sound good to you, that your body is craving, but not overeating the foods, not eating too much, eating when you're hungry, stop eating when you're satisfied. So for me, I kind of think of this as the next step after flexible dieting. During flexible dieting, you learn what's in each food. You learn what those portion sizes look like. You kind of have an idea of how much food you should eat throughout the day. And then with intuitive eating, you just do that with a little more flexibility. So instead of tracking your foods, you just eat, again, when you're hungry, stop when you're satisfied. There are some habits that go along with this and some cues that might be difficult to listen to your body for. So kind of like intuitive eating had that learning curve. This also has that learning curve in a little bit of a different sense. So if you're not familiar with serving sizes, learning what a serving size looks like, training your body to eat slowly. So oftentimes we eat on the go, we eat in the car, we eat at work, we eat while we're doing other things. Taking a second and slowing down. I just watched a YouTube video that talked about if there's food in your mouth, there's not food in your hand. So as you take a bite, you finish that bite before then taking another bite or loading up your fork again. I'm guilty of this as well. I'll eat in a rush. I'll eat at work all the time. And I have 10 minutes to eat and I have to get it in. I have to finish my lunch in 10 minutes and get back to work. But taking a second and practicing that mindfulness and that little bit of mindful eating, thinking about what you're doing instead of mindlessly eating, for example, in front of the TV. And then eating until you're satisfied, but not necessarily full. So We never want to eat until you're absolutely stuffed. If you eat like it's Thanksgiving dinner every day, I can almost guarantee you that you may not be making progress towards your goals, especially if your goals are fat loss. So eating until we are satisfied, about 80%, and then stopping. So not necessarily eating until we are 100% full and can't possibly take another bite. 
That's kind of what intuitive eating is. It's just listening to our bodies. So eating those foods that we crave, eating those desserts, eating those healthier foods. Everything in moderation, as with our flexible dieting approach, everything kind of has its place. But instead of eating a whole sleeve of cookies, you might only have one or two cookies uh, at the end of the day as well. So kind of making everything have its place. If you're curious about intuitive eating or a habits-based approach to eating, you can check out Precision Nutrition. They have a bunch of different resources on intuitive eating, on eating habits, and eating not necessarily while tracking macronutrients or anything like that, but just eating for general health and wellness as well. So you can check out their website for a variety of different articles uh, and different tools for that. Or of course, you can shoot me an email with any of your questions relating to this as well. Uh, I went through the Precision Nutrition Certification, so I'm familiar with their coaching methods and things like that. All right, so we talked about our meal plans, we talked about our flexible dieting approach, and then we talked about our intuitive eating as well. So each one of these may or may not have a place in your life at any given time. So if you're really looking to hit a specific goal within a specific time, it's very structured, maybe a more structured diet is for you. If the structure is too much, like it is for me, you might follow more of a flexible dieting-based approach and eat according to your macronutrients, but still allow yourself some room within your macronutrients to have a treat at the end of the day or work in that coffee stop with your coworker. And then lastly, again, if both of those seem restrictive on your life, maybe intuitive eating is right for you. So following those habits, just making overall healthier choices throughout the day, No one of these approaches is overall better or overall worse than another. The best diet strategy or diet approach is always going to be the one that works best for you that you can stick with consistently over time. There's not going to be any quick fixes with any of these diet strategies. They're all going to be over time is the key, key point to these. A lot of times I get asked what I do currently. I personally follow a flexible dieting based approach. So I have my macronutrients set out and I try and hit again within that five-ish gram range of those each day. I like this approach. It allows me to have, you know, coffee with a coworker or something to that effect without it completely destroying a meal plan based approach. And then what I do because I am fairly busy throughout the day is I create a meal plan with my macros. So with my macros for the day, I'll make sure I hit a solid breakfast, lunch, and dinner meals. And then I'll kind of work in different snacks throughout the day. So I might eat the same breakfast, lunch, and dinner for an entire week. I'll rotate the snacks throughout the day or save a little bit of each macronutrient if I know I'm gonna want a treat at the end of the day or something like that. So that's my approach is kind of a combination of the meal plans and the flexible dieting approach, more verging towards the flexible dieting based approach and then just adding in that meal plan so that I have a little bit of structure and I have those healthy meals prepped. So that's all I have for you on our meal plans, our macronutrients and our intuitive eating. Just a quick note before we end, within each of these three diet strategies, so our meal plans, our flexible dieting, and then our intuitive eating, 
You can also incorporate different diets that eliminate certain food groups or add in certain food groups. So those like our ketogenic diet, our vegetarian diet, vegan diets, diet strategies such as intermittent fasting, everything like that can all play a role in each one of these three diet strategies. So lots of different ways to incorporate these into your life. If you're following a gluten-free diet because you have celiac disease, you're by all means able to follow a meal plan based diet strategy or the flexible dieting or an intermittent fasting. Again, just incorporating those gluten-free foods and not incorporating those foods that contain gluten. So any of those other different diets you're able to incorporate as well within each of these diet strategies we talked about today. We won't get into the ketogenic diet, vegetarian diet, gluten-free, etc. today. If you're interested in that, let me know. You might see a podcast on it in the future. But that's all I have for today. Let me know your thoughts on this. After listening to this podcast, are you interested in trying one of these diet strategies? Do you find that you follow one now? Do you have any questions regarding your diet? If you have any questions, feel free to shoot me an email. My email is emilymeyerfitness at gmail.com and I'll get back to you with the answer to your question. But until next time, that's all I have for you guys. Thank you very much for listening and I will talk to you next time. Bye.